guys, I got great news. We're going to do two weeks on small groups. I know, I know, high fives all around. Please control your enthusiasm. Getting wild here. Uh, but don't worry, this, the sales pitch part of it is over. I mean mostly, let's be honest, it's never really over, right? Uh, but I, I think today will be helpful. And uh, let me start off with a question. Have you ever had buyer's remorse? I have, yeah. Uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's you purchase something, and then later on, you regret the fact that you made that purchase, right? Now, a lot of times, buyer's remorse is kind of about big ticket items, big purchases, things of that nature, but it doesn't have to be. Sometimes it's just small things. It's, I bought that, and why did I buy this? I don't even need this. Or you're cleaning out the garage, and you find stuff, and you'd be like, there was a time when I had to have this, right? You know? My favorite buyer's remorse story, and I don't know, you know, favorite's probably not the right word, uh, but the one that comes to mind for me uh, was when I was, gosh, I don't know, 12 years old, 13 years old, something like that. This is late 80s, early 90s, that kind of time frame. And, uh, and at that point in my life, I, I like to watch a lot of infomercials, you know, like 12-year-olds do. And uh, there was one of these infomercials that I watched all the time, and I loved it. And it was for a product. I'm so weird. It was for a product called Memory Power. Okay. And uh, what it was, it was, they, they, well, the infomercial, they'd bring this guy out on the stage, right, that he was like Dr. So-and-so, and he was the memory expert. And they would, they would, you know, rapid fire him a list of things, and then they would give him other information, and then they'd go talk about this, and then they'd come back and say, hey, what was number five on that list? And he would get it right, and I was like, <gasps> I must pattern my life after this man. You know, it became, this must be the direction of my life. Mom, sorry, excuse me, my mom's here this morning, my amazing mother. Do you remember that? Do you remember memory power? I was seven years old, but I don't remember. You don't remember that. Well, clearly you didn't use the program. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, um. Mom, I apologize for making a joke at your expense in church. I'm sorry. I'll, so, but so I, I, was, I was in love with memory power. Like, I love these infomercials. I, need it, I needed it, and I, she doesn't remember it now, but I begged my parents to get me memory power, which is so weird for a 12-year-old. Anyway, so I begged, oh, please, hey, listen, that'll be my Christmas present, and you don't have to get me anything else. That's, that is what I want this year, and I don't know if I badgered them down or whatever, but... Sure enough, it was under the tree, and it's so weird. this was like, this was one of those things where it was like, you know, five easy payments of, you know, I don't know, a billion dollars, um, but it wasn't a cheap thing, and so I, op there, so there it was, and I was, I was so excited. I opened the box, and, and, I, and I pulled, and out I pulled this plastic binder, and I opened it, and it had the course material, and, and then a sea of white cassette tapes. To put it, yeah, so that dates this. Um, and so I started, started do, I started, you know, doing the memory power thing. I would listen to the cassettes and I'd do the little worksheets, this kind of thing. And I'll fast forward to what I think is, 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 the, is the ironic part of this whole story. Six months later, I could not remember where I had put the memory power stuff. Like, I just completely forgot about it. Like, it, it was gone. I found it years later. 
Yeah, and you, you, I mean, you can imagine what a binder with paper in it looks like when you find it years later. Whatever's in your head, that's what it looked like. Uh, you know, and I was just, I just, I was like, why? Why did I want this so badly? Uh, I could have gotten so many great Christmas presents with, you know, anyway. Buyer's remorse, it's a real thing. Why do I bring this up today? Because last week, a lot of you signed up for a community group. And some of you signed up for a group for the first time. And maybe, you know, you got motivated. You know, it's like, yeah, there's something I can do now to avoid the desire for a do-over. Okay, I got to do this, you know, this kind of thing. And you went out and you put your name on a clipboard. And then the worst thing in the world happened. Somebody contacted you about it. <laughs> you got a phone call. You got an email. Hey, we're so excited that you joined our group. We're going to meet on Thursdays or whatever, da, 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 this kind of thing. And you're like, oh, no, now I have to go to this thing. You know, this kind of thing. And so, and, and it's, it's that feeling of, do I really want to do this? You know, this kind of thing. And so, and so this is what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about, for those of you that signed up for a group, how is it, is it possible, what would it look like for you to have the best group's experience so that at the end of this whole group season, you can walk away, not with a sense of remorse, but, but this sense of, I'm so glad that I stepped into a group. It was scary. I had to rearrange my schedule. There was, it was work for me to get there. I'm so glad I made the effort. That is possible. And I think that I'm in a bit of a unique position to talk about this, and I'll tell you why. It's because, um, so if, for those of you that don't know, I lead the group's effort at Knollwood. That's one of my responsibilities. And for the last several years, we've been doing groups. And so I've had the privilege not just to lead a group, but to interact with all of the other group leaders and have conversations about what's going on in their group, what's working, what isn't working, to talk to folks who are in groups and ask questions. And I feel as though I have noticed some trends between folks who step into community and have a great experience and those who step in and maybe the experience is not so great. And so I want to share that with you. Because I think there are some things that you and I can do to make sure that we have a great group's experience. That at the end of it, we are glad that we did it. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, because it's possible. And we're going to do that first by looking at a passage of Scripture where, where the young church, the early church, this infant church, makes a decision that in a lot of ways I think sets them up for success. And in the decision that these early Christians make, we can learn something that is specifically applicable to our group's experience. How is it that we can have a great group's experience? It's possible. Well, let me set the stage for you. So over the summer, we finished our summer study of the Gospel of Luke. And toward the end of the Gospel of Luke, we see some key events in the life of Jesus. Jesus is crucified. He's dead and he's buried, but God raised him from the dead. And he appeared to the disciples and to others. Jesus appeared to people, and then he ascended to heaven. But before he ascended, he gathered his guys, and he told them, listen, this good news, this message, take it everywhere. But don't go yet. Wait until you receive empowerment from the Holy Spirit. He's going to come, he's going to show up, and he's going to give you what you need to take this message everywhere. And that's exactly what they do. They wait. 
And sure enough, the Holy Spirit comes, and it is amazing. And all of a sudden, incredible things start to happen, and Peter steps out, the, the, the same guy that denied Jesus. I don't even know the guy. He steps out, and he preaches the first sermon, and thousands of people put their trust in Christ. And the church is born, and it's amazing. And this young church, they make a decision at that moment that I think marks them, that I think shapes them, that I think sets them up for success, and that's what we're going to look at. And so if you got your Bible, turn, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 2. In the book of Acts, uh, Luke, the author, the same guy that wrote the Gospel of Luke, wrote the, 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 the book of Acts. It was a two-part work. Uh, and so the events of the book of Acts flow right out of what's going on in, into Luke. So if you're looking for, hey, I finished this Luke study over the summer, what should I read next? Acts is a great choice uh, because the story continues. But in the, in, in, in the book of Acts, the author Luke, at several points throughout, throughout the book, he puts in these what are called, what are known as summary statements. So some events happen, and then Luke puts a summary statement in there and says, okay, so here's kind of where we are so far. There are five of them in the, in the book of Acts, where he kind of summarizes what's going on at this point. And we're going to look at the first of these summary statements. And this is in verse 42. So, so Peter has just preached this sermon, and 3,000 people have put their trust in Christ. It's amazing. The church is the church is born, and the church is exploding with growth. And so Luke summarizes it here. So let's look at verse 42. And they, the new believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were saved. And so these, 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 these early Christians, they make a decision. They set a course. And I think a lot of the good things that begin to happen, I think a lot of those are connected to that decision. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that, that, that decision that they make in verse 42, and we're going to walk through this slowly. And they devoted themselves. So let's talk about this idea. This is, this is, this is where they, they set their course. These believers, they devoted themselves to something. And so I want to talk just a minute about the idea of being devoted to something. Because I think that's an interesting word. And I think it's a helpful word for what we're talking about. But I think the best way to kind of get the picture, at least the best way that I was thinking of as I was working through this, was in the context of relationships. Because maybe you've heard this uh, phrase before. I've heard it. You know, He is such a devoted husband. She's such a devoted wife. What a devoted mom, a devoted dad, you know, those kinds of phrases before. And when you hear phrases like that, you get a picture in your head of what kind of person that is, right? I mean, some things show up in your mind what a devoted husband looks like, what a devoted mom 
you kind of get a sense of maybe the way that they spend their time or some of the choices that they make or some of the things that they, that they set aside. Because the idea of being devoted to something is kind of the idea of a bit of a singular focus, right? The idea of being devoted to something is that I have given this my big yes, right? And as a result of saying yes to this, I have, by nature of saying yes to this, I've said no to other things, right? I've said yes to a direction, and so I've said no to certain other directions. Does that make sense? That's this idea of devoted. And these early Christians, they devoted, the, they, could have, they could have picked a lot of different things, but they made a decision. They devoted themselves to something specific. And we're going to see a list of things follow in these verses. And I think you could make the argument, you could boil them down to two things, and I think, that, I think you could make the case that it kind of wraps up into one thing. And so that's what I'm going to attempt to do. So let's look again at this list. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So let's stop there. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the idea of the apostles' teaching. What does that mean? I think, that you, I think another way you could say that is you could say that they devoted themselves to the scriptures. And the reason that I say that is because, well, here's what never happened in these meetings, right? They never said, hey, hey, thanks, guys, for coming to Bible study. Everyone open your Bibles to 1 Peter. They didn't do that. One, because there were no Bibles at that point, right? And two, there was no 1 Peter at that point. So what they said instead, they didn't say, hey, hey, thanks for coming, would you open your Bibles to 1 Peter? What they said was, no, 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 hey, thanks for coming, Peter's going to talk to us now. And, 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 oh, and hey, we've got John here, the guy who walked with Jesus, he's going to be telling us about Jesus, it's amazing. And hey, thanks for coming to Bible study, James, the half-brother of Jesus. Do you guys remember James? James was the guy that he thought his brother was crazy, like at one point they went to go get him because of the nutty things that he was saying, but after he met his brother alive, back from the dead, James changed his mind. He's here. He's going to be talking to us. You know, and so when, when we open up our New Testaments, what are we looking at? We're looking at the apostles' teaching. You know, these men inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing God's Word. And so, and so it's this idea that these early Christians devoted themselves to God's Word, devoted themselves to learning what has God said to us. Let's look at the Hebrew Scriptures and show us how these things point to Jesus. Hey, weren't you the two guys on the road to Emmaus? Jesus showed up and he opened your eyes and showed you. Yeah, can you come teach us that? What, what's going on with that? It's, it's that idea. They devoted themselves to learning the truth of God's Word. For us today, it's the idea of devoting ourselves to the Scriptures, that we want to know what God has said. And this was a decision that they made to root themselves in the truth of God's word, and it's big. Keep going. And the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And so they, they not only devoted themselves to learning God's word, but they devoted themselves to one another. They devoted themselves to community. And this is a big idea, to breaking bread together, to prayers, all of these things that we are, it's, it's the idea that we are going after Jesus together that we're going to follow him. There's no lone rangers. We're going to follow him together. And so the way that I've been saying it is they devoted themselves to the scriptures in community. That it's the scriptures in the context of community. We're doing this together. And I think it's a big deal. 
And I think it shaped them. And I think we see some of, drop down to verse 45, some of what this community looked like. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. There was this sense of generosity, this sense in this community that I'm for you. And, and, and when it comes to wealth or resources or things of that nature, if it comes to me, my assumption is not necessarily that it's all for me. But if you have a need and I can help, I'm in. It's this sense of community that we are here together. We're following Jesus together. We're going for this thing together. They devoted themselves to this idea. And I think it set the early church up for success. It set them up to become the people that God created them to be and to make the difference that they made in their generation. And so I think for us, it points to a big idea specifically when it comes to groups and, and, and our stepping into community. And the idea is this, is that groups make a difference if you make them a priority. That's it. But it's true. Groups make a difference. Groups make a big difference if you make them a priority. And so I want to talk a little bit about what what that looks like. What does it mean to, 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 to make community a priority for each one? Especially if you've already signed up, you're like, hey, I'm in. Community life can make a big difference for you if you make the decision to make community life a priority. And so I want to suggest three ways that you can do this. Three things that I feel like I've seen over the last couple of years that, 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 that are true of those kinds of folks that end up having this great groups experience that come out of it and it's like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm in for this, I'm so glad, you know, this kind of thing. And so I'm gonna share these three things and I worked really hard and I just forgot the word. What's the word where they all start with the same letter? Thank you, alliteration, yes. So I worked really hard on an alliteration for these, for these three things. And uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell them to you and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk through. So just three, three ideas. I want you to show up, I want you to speak up, and this one was Mark's favorite, I want you to snuggle up. Isn't that great? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that'll make sense in a minute, but that was my attempt to find a word that started with S, and so, uh, but Mark, Mark really liked that one. Uh, so he, here's the idea. For what it looks like to prioritize groups, you gotta show up. And that sounds obvious, but I've had conversations with people. Yeah, I tried the whole groups thing and it really didn't work out for me. It was like, and you gotta say this gently, how often did you go? Oh, I went a couple times. I'm like, all right, well. You know, if, 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 if community's gonna make a difference, you gotta be there. You have to show up. You gotta make it a priority and I know that's difficult because we are busy. And, you know, if, if, if you're, I shouldn't say this, if you're a group's leader, you've had that moment where, looking around the room, all right, if one more couple cancels, we could cancel group tonight. We, you know, we've all kind of had that. <laughs> we've all kind of had that, right? That it's like sometimes because it would be easier to not, because honestly, it would be easier to stay at home, right? It would be simpler. It would, it would certainly Take the stress out of it. Okay, okay, we get a night off. That's great, you know. But if you want groups to make a difference, you've got to show up for it. 
It's like, uh, again, I was a child of the 80s and 90s, and so I remember hearing this, this phrase a lot as it related to parents, is that you got to spend quality time with your kids. Remember hearing that? Yeah, the idea of quality time, that it's like, hey, we may only see each other a couple times a month, but when we do, it's going to be rich and deep, and we're going to the amusement park or whatever that is, you know, that, that, that kind of thing of quality time. But we know that that's not the whole story now, right? It's like you don't just need quality time, you need... Quantity time, yeah, that's something you got. It's, it's the idea that, that, that in terms of those kinds of key relationships, we need to be there not just for the big moments, but we need to be there for the boring, mundane, routine things of life, right? We just got to be around. And, and that's key to a lot of those kinds of relationships. You know, it's like it's just all the, yeah, we need to go get milk. All right, let's go. It's just all of that kind of stuff. That's really important. And it's important in community, in group life as well, that it's like, if, if you want groups to make a difference, you got to be there. you got to show up. Now that does, I'm not saying that to be like a guilt-trippy kind of thing. I know for all of us, myself included, there are times when it just doesn't work, right? It's like, hey, yeah, we're going to be out of town. We're going to be this. We're going to be, you know, all that stuff. And that is true, and that is valid, and that is absolutely, totally get that. But Groups make a difference if we make them a priority. And one of the things that is key of the folks who make it priority is they make it a priority to show up, to be there as much as possible, as much as I can be. If we're meeting, I'm there. And so I want that for you. Second thing, you got to speak up. Part of the value of engaging with the scriptures in community is that you engage with the scriptures in community. It's that we talk about it. You know, now, so it's like if you, you show up to group and you greet everybody, you say hello, that kind of thing, and then you sit down and it's like quiet for the rest of the night, you're missing out on a key aspect. Now, here's what I know, and I need to be careful with this. There are people, we all process things differently, right? There are some of us who process things out loud, right? It's like we process through, with our mouths and we talk, talk it out. And there are also some of us who process things internally, right? Like I listen, and I'm hearing, and I'm thinking about all those things, and that's how I'm processing. And all of those are totally valid, okay? So I'm not trying to say those aren't valid. They really are. But one of the advantages of doing this in community is that you get the opportunity for some back and forth. And it's a safe place to say, you know what? I'm not sure I believe that. I'm not sure I buy into that. Or what in the world does that look like? I don't know how to live that out. I keep thinking about it. What do you think? How, how have you lived that out? And you get the opportunity to dialogue and to talk and to process these things together, and that is a big deal. So you got to show up. you got to speak up. And again, finally, for Mark's favorite, you got to snuggle up. And that's the idea of pursuing relationships with one another. I couldn't think of another S word for like building friendships, but so I went with snuggle up. And Mark thought it was hilarious. So when you see him, give him a big hug and tell him you're snuggling up. He'll love it, you know. Um, but it's the idea, it's the idea that in community, we pursue those relationships with one another. That we pursue friendships with the folks that we're in community with. And when you do that, here's what you discover. Your conversations become richer. Your conversations become deeper. They become fuller. It's almost like, and I, I, don't, I don't know that I have a great job of having words to put around this, but it's almost like as you form those kinds of friendships with the people that you're in community with, there's a point in the group where the conversation turns a corner. 
and again, I don't have great words for this, but it just becomes richer. It just becomes fuller. It becomes engaging with the scriptures with friends and people who know you and you're known and, and, and it's, it's, it's a better experience. I don't know if that's helpful, but this is what I've seen. Folks who get the most out of community, who really come out of it and say, you know what? I'm so glad that I did. Are people who choose to show up, speak up, snuggle up. And I want that for you. I want that for me. And so would you consider, let me add a fourth one. It's not too late to sign up. <laughs> Starts with an S, yeah. If you're here this morning and it's like, you know, I keep thinking about it, but I've, I just, I, you know, would you just, would you, would you just go for it and give it a shot and sign up, show up, speak up, snuggle up. At the end, I am convinced that if, that you will be glad you did. If you choose to make community a priority, I think it will make a difference because groups, groups really do make a difference if you make them a priority. Last time, you sign up, show up, speak up, snuggle up, and now let's wrap it up. Would you join me in prayer? God, you're so good. Thank you again that you've given us the gift of one another. Thank you that you haven't called us to figure out, the, figure out how to follow you, figure out the Christian life, figure out all these things. You haven't called us to figure out these things on our own. You haven't called us to walk through life isolated, but you've given us the gift of each other. And I pray for each one of us that we would choose to intentionally step into community. And that we would, like those earliest Christians, we would make it a priority. We would dedicate ourselves to the idea of following you together. And because of that, would you work in our lives in such a way that we would become people who are more and more and more like your son. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name.